All right, so we'll say good morning. My apologies for the few-minute delay. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our, our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul. Shindy and Avram Kelman, in honor of Yichil's engagement to Alana Falik, in the memory of our parents, Jerome and Bernice Kelman, and Alexander Federica David Alehem Hashalom. Barak, Maya, Sandy, Hafman, Dora Limus, and Avi Malamid for dedicating the Sherman Drushels this month in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel. Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating Shurim and Joshua's this month in the Shlema for Shulamis Bas Susha and the Shlema for continued health, the Dafyomi Shir and the Shlema for Shlema for Yehuda Ben Michal. We hope that under the merits of our Talmud Torah, all of those who require Erefua should have one with Kol Chol Yisrael, all of the Neshama Shav and Aliyah and the families Einacham. And I'll say with that, let us begin. We have an absolutely incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Samech Aleph, 61. We are picking up Emir Hashem on Samech Ahmed Beis, 60b. We left off at Tan Rabbanon, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 9 lines up from the bottom. And I will say again, just want to point out if you are, if you do notice, I know there were there were a couple of you know doubters last week if we were ever going to catch up with the international Dafyomi cycle. Right? And again, I just want to point out Baruch Hashem, we are caught up. Right, we're on the same Daf as the rest of the world. Baruch Hashem. So let's begin. Tan Rabbanan. We'll see if we maintain that today, but that's a different story. Tan Rabbanan. Harishinasnu ben Lahanik. So I'll say, remember again, our topic today. Well, at least the first part of our topic today. Then we're going to switch gears. Amir Hashem. Is halacha the responsibility is outlined by the Mishnah that a woman has during marriage to go ahead and nurse her child. We then transitioned into a discussion regarding, in the event of divorce, halacha what is the mother's obligation and what power does the father slash ex husband have in order to compel her to continue to nurse? We then transition from that topic into another topic regarding well, what happens if this is a woman of means, right? Where halacha says she could hire a wet nurse. We then transition into another topic where what happens, halacha lamaisa, something happens to the kid, right? Either the child is weaned, chasasham, the child dies. So how does that impact everything? The way we came out, halacha lamaisa, at the end of yesterday's daf, was that there is a gzered rabbanon. And the gzered rabbanon is that a woman with a, 24, with, with a baby within 24 months may not remarry. May not remarry. And it's a, what we call a low plug. The Gemara compared it to which halacha? To which halacha? The halacha of havchana. No different than when a woman is divorced or widowed. She has to wait three months before remarrying in order to ensure that we have no paternity ambiguity. We know exactly who the father is. And that's true even if we know for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that she is not pregnant. Halach says she has to wait. The Gemara seems to compare this din of the 24-month baby with the din of Havchana. So the Gemara says this also. And now we're switching gears a little bit. We're talking now about a woman who is hired as a wet nurse. Very interesting. So if a woman was hired as a wet nurse, they gave her a child to nurse. Fascinating. If a woman is hired as a wet nurse, that precludes her from nursing her own child and nursing her friend's child. The idea seems to be that if you're, if you're being hired out for this skill, you have no right to deplete your milk supply with any other babies, even your own baby or even your friend's baby. Pasca Kima, if they only gave her, gave her means, let's say the person who hired her, let's say the person who hired the wetters only allotted for her a small amount of food. Ochelas Harde, she eats a lot. Let's discuss what that means. Furthermore, she has to be careful with her diet. She has to be careful with her diet. In other words, if you're hired as a wet nurse, you can't eat things that have the ability to compromise the milk supply. So the goes back for a second. So what was the first halakha stated over here? That if a woman is hired as a wet nurse, she cannot go ahead and nurse her own child or her friend's child. So it says the Gemara, Hashda bina amrat lo ben chaverta mi boy. They both say, obviously, if you're telling me that what? That she can't nurse her own child. Do you even have to say she can't nurse her friend's child? That's obvious. So now that they would have thought, you're a thought like this. Maybe the concern is only with her own child. Because with her own child, she may be tempted to go ahead and give her own child surplus milk. But her friend's child, she would only agree to nurse that child if she knew she had enough after her contracted nursing obligation. 
Kamash Malano. Kamash Malano will say that Alokalamaisa, if a woman is hired to nurse someone else's child, she's hired as a wet nurse, that precludes her from nursing any other children, be it her own child or her friend's child. To which the Gemara goes like there. Paska Kim Al Khalas Harbe, Mehecha. So what's this? Remember again, the Gemara said, Bryce said, let's say again, Rachel's hired as a wet nurse. And now what happens? She receives, she receives a wage and a food allotment. Let's say the food allotment is not enough. It's not enough to sustain her or to, to sustain her milk supply. So what's that lacha? She has to eat more. The Gemara says, that's fine, she has to eat more. We'll say, what's the Shiloh? We're Jewish. What's the Shiloh? Oh, good. Who pays for it? I said, who pays for it? Mehecha, who pays for it? Ultimately, again, she pays for it. They both say, what's, what's the pshat with that? What's the pshat? So ultimately, again, the Marashal explains it's very simple. The Marashal says, well, it doesn't seem to be fair that she should have to pay from out of her pocket. The Marashal says like this, it must be that she's getting paid enough money that it makes her worth her while to go ahead and agree to this agreement, even though she's going to have to have an outlay of funds to supplement her diet. In other words, if she wasn't getting paid enough money, then this whole thing wouldn't be worth it. The fact that she entered into this arrangement, knowing full well that she's not going to have enough food from this from this allotment, she's okay with that. Good. She can't eat things that are bad for milk supply. So what are some examples of this? Chazis are wheat sprouts, dogim kitanim, small fish, adama, earth, Abai Amrafilu Kra Vichavusha. Abai says even Kra. Now we'll say Kra is often Rashi says over here. So Rashi has it as Kora. Kra is often a gourd. So Kora Rashi says over here is Rach Hagadal Bidekel Mashinosif Ala Anaf Bishanazu. Um pieces of a palm tree. Pieces of a palm tree. Vichavusha, Chavusha is a quince. Rav Papa Amar Afilu Kra Vikofra. Rav Papa says, even a Krona Kofra, Rav Hashem Afilu Kamcha, the Harsena, even Kamcha, she says, Kamcha is Kusach. Kusach, that is a big loss. Right? She can't even eat Kusach, the Harsena. Harsena is fish hash. But remember again, when we were first introduced to Harsena, remember the first time we met Harsena? First time in Brachas. Right, brachas already, harsana is there because of the discussion about what bracha you make on harsana. Remember again, how, how do you make harsana? You could, it's better, it's easy to whip up a little harsana. Mm-hmm. I always say, so listen to this, it's very simple. It's fish kishkas with oil and flour. And you mix it all together, you fry that up. I heard it tastes just like chicken. Anyway, so the Gemara says as follows. So the harsana, right? Harsana, so she can't eat harsana either. So the Gemara says, minayu pasku chalba, so minayu akri chalba. Some of these foods totally stop milk supply, and some of them just diminish the quality of the milk supply. Incredible. The Gemara goes weiter. So we'll say now the Gemara transitions to something dramatically different. If a woman has relations and becomes pregnant, when having relations by a mill, a grinding mill, ultimately she's going to have children who are epileptic. Okay. The Misham Shmal Ara, if a woman has relations while laying on the ground, Habale Bani Shimuti. She's going to have sons, Rashi says, over Shamuti, Aruche Tsavar, Vahumum. Sons with children with long necks, and this is considered to be a deformity. The Darcha, Sarabose, I just want to point out like what's driving this. Sarabose, Chazal, Chazal felt, Chazal felt that, that how a woman conceives ultimately impacts the nature of the child. And I will say, what I will point out is, here the examples that are given over here are halachalamaisa examples of the, how a woman, in other words, how the act of relations takes place physically will impact physically the child. Well, that's the child. They both say, and I want to point out, this, this is not necessarily something religious in nature. In other words, this could just simply be reflective of what they thought scientifically at the times, at the times, what I will point out, however, is that there is there is a spiritual parallel, and the spiritual parallel ultimately is that what happens both b'machshava in one's thoughts and what happens ultimately spiritually during the act of relations also has an impact on a child, not necessarily physically, but absolutely. So, for example, the Gemara says that if when a man is having relations with his wife he thinks about another woman, ultimately, again, that has a negative spiritual impact on the child. 
a child is conceived from a woman who is in nida that has that has a spiritual impact on the child. So I just want to point out this this is not necessarily something that Chazal are highlighting over here as something like religious. This could just simply be be reflective ultimately again of what of what they believed of what they believed. But again, the spiritual parallel is very interesting as well. We will say essentially the Musar let, let's the the, the Haskil the Musar Haskil is that everything we do has an impact. There is no such thing as an action or as a thought that is impactless. Everything we do. So again, here the Gemara is giving an example, even how a person has relations, what a person thinks about during relations. Right? Everything we do has an impact. Sometimes it's a measurable impact, sometimes it's an unmeasurable impact, but it's such an important way to live life. There's no such thing as an action we engage in be it physically, verbally, cognitively, that does not have some type of impact on ourselves or on those around us. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, Rama, so the Gemara says, Dadarcha al Rama de Chamra, Havulei Bani Girdani. This is an interesting one. If a woman goes ahead, apparently when she's pregnant, and steps on donkey manure, ultimately she'll have bald children. I called my mother about this one, but we'll uh, we'll see. All right. The Akhla Khardala, Havalu Bani Zazule. Right? If a woman goes in and eats mustard, she has mustard, mustard seed, mustard seed, she's going to go ahead and have children who are gluttonous. The Akhla Tihli, if she goes in and she eats cress, Havalu Bani Dulfi. She's going to have Dulfani, excuse me, Dulfani. Rashi says over Dulfani, Enehem Zolfos Mayim Tamid, children with teary eyes. The Akhla Monini, if a woman eats Monini, what's Monini? Rashi says, Monini are small fish. If she's used to eating small fish, then Havuluhu Bani Metsitsi, Metsitsi Eina. She's going to have children with, Rashi says, Eina, Parachos Vinaos Tamid. So I will say, what this literally sounds like is children who ultimately blink often. Blink often, a lot of blinking. Okay. The Akhla Gargushta, if a woman eats Gargushta, Rashi says over here, Zadama is earth or clay. Havalu bani michuari. She's going to have ugly children. The Shas Yashikra, woman drinks beer when she's pregnant. Havaluhu bani uchni. She's going to have dark complexion children. The Akhla bisravish is great. The Akhla bisravish Yachamra, if she eats meat and drinks wine. Havalu bani bari. That is a secret to success, right? I want to say, by the way, if you notice, Chazal had certain things that always work. Right? The one thing that always works for anything in life is meat and wine. And it's a school of healthy children. It's a school of for a happy day. It's a school of for personal health. Incredible. Incredible. If one goes in and eats eggs during pregnancy, So what's Inoni? She says, She'll have children with large eyes. If she eats fish, she will have children who are Baal Rashi's Baalichain. Right? Very, very no, I will say Chain doesn't just necessarily mean physical beauty, but Chain means the type of they'll find favor in the eyes of others as well. So I will say, again, one thing I, I want to point out. So the Marshal says this as well. The, the Gimara is not trying to highlight over here that there's some type of spiritual quality associated with these items. That's not that's not what the Gimara is highlighting. What the Gemara is highlighting over here is this is what they believed were the were the with the characteristics of these foods and ultimately the impact they have on pregnancy. This is very interesting. The Akhla Karpesa Havaluhu Bani Zivasni. If a woman eats Karpesa, ultimately again she's going to have she's going to have children with a good complexion. I will say I want to show you something amazing. Because the word karpesa, you don't find karpesa too often in Shas. Right? We find it here. The other place we find it ultimately again is in Arbe Psachim. So we'll say we know Karpas, Karpas is part of the Seder. If you look at Rashi over here, Rashi's Karpas is Apya. Apya normally is translated as potato. Potato. But I want to show you something amazing. If you look on the newer editions of the Gimara, they have Laze Rashi on the, on the uh, Dr. Glassine. They do not have this in the Sunsino. They do not have this. this is the, I think that Glassing might be the last Sancino holdout in Cloudy Israel. In Cloudy Israel, right? You, you, you can ret- you put that on eBay. You could retire on that. I think. Let's say, so look at Rashi. Ra- Lazi Rashi in the in the margin says Lazi Rashi Apio Perish Karpas Apich Tzilar Celery. So this is interesting. Rashi Lazi Rashi quotes over your opinions that say Karpas 
is celery. Rebo said, I want to point something out which is fascinating, which is you may have seen that there are different minhagim what people use for karpas. So I think most commonly people use potatoes. But again, there are minhagim to use celery. If you ever wonder where in the world did people get celery from? Where, where did that come? That celery is karpas? Absolutely incredible. Here it is. Here it is. So the Gemara goes weiter. If a woman eats kusbarta, right? We'll say kusbarta is usually translated as coriander. She'll have children, right? Larger children. Listen to this. If a woman eats, eats an esrogon, she's pregnant. She'll have children who are fragrant. It's beautiful. Right? You know, so, so again, children eating, eating esrog. Esrog is a beautiful fragrance. Eat esrogon of a child. So let's listen to the story. Parte de shavar malga. Listen to this. The daughter of Shavarmalka, the daughter of Shavarmalka, when her mother was pregnant with her, her mother ate Esrogim. And they would bring the child before Shavarmalka in front of all the in front of all the fragrant spices. In other words, Shavarmalka's daughter smelled more fragrant than all of the spices in his kingdom. Why? What do they attribute that fragrance to? They attribute it to the fact that her mother consumed esrogim during her pregnancy. Quite beautiful. Quite beautiful. So we'll say now back, back, to, the, back to the nursing sugis. Am Rafuna. Badak lan Rafuna barachinana. So we'll say listen to the following case. He omeris lahanik, lahanik. We'll say listen to this interesting case. You have a couple. They're married. They're married. They have an argument. Right? So we'll say, so now listen to this. She says, I want to nurse my child. I want to nurse the baby. Husband says, husband, this is the case where they married, not divorced. Husband says, I don't want you to nurse. I don't want you to nurse. So both say, ultimately, again, why doesn't, why doesn't he want her to nurse? So Bepashtos, he's concerned that the nursing is going to diminish her beauty, right? So he doesn't want her to nurse. So what's Talacha? Shomin Lo. We listen to the wife. Tsara Didahu. We'll say, ultimately, again, nursing, right? Nursing. Now, when do we say, we say Tsara Didah. Now, Rashi points, I always mean Tsara Didah. It's not the Tsara of, it's not the tzara of nursing. It's the tsar of what? Of not nursing, right? If she doesn't nurse, she becomes engorged. If she becomes engorged, it's painful for her. So she has a right to say, I want a nurse to alleviate my own pain. Who Omer Lahanik, Omer Lahanik, now here's the interesting. What happens if the husband says, I want you to nurse the baby? She says, I don't want to nurse the baby. What's that? So call Hecha Delav Orcha Shomin La. So I will say, when it is not the derech of her family to nurse, it says she comes from a family where normally, again, the women didn't nurse. They hired wet nurses. So if that's the family she comes from, then we listen to her. Or, so the Gemara says, Shomila, Shomila, Hi What happens, I will say, if in her family, the women do nurse, but in his family, the women don't nurse? What's Talacha? Mai, Basr Dede Azlinon, U Basr Dida Azlinon. Do we go after his family or after her family? Upashitna le minha. We'll say we resolve this from here. Ole imo veini yoredis. You know, we'll say it's a very important halacha. When a woman gets married, she only goes up in lifestyle with her husband, never goes down, which I will say is incredibly important. So a woman gets the best of, of gets the better of both worlds. In other words, it, she goes essentially with the higher standard of living. If she comes from a wealthy family and he does not, when he marries her, he agrees to support her in accordance with the standard that she is used to. If he comes, if he comes from a wealthy family and she does not, he agrees to support her in accordance with the standard of his family. So she always goes with the higher standard. So from both sides, what comes out for us practically in the nursing sugi is as follows. So first of all, case number one, whenever she wants to nurse and he doesn't want her to, we always listen to her. What happens if she doesn't want to, but he wants her to? Essentially, as long as one of the two of them comes from a family where the women normally or customarily hired wet nurses, she's good. She, she has a leg to stand on. If neither of them come from that kind of family, then she has an obligation to nurse. And I both say, where does this concept of Ola Imo, Ola Imo, which means she only goes up in lifestyle with him, never goes down? Where does that come from? What's the passage that supports this? An interesting drasha. 
She goes up with her husband, does not come down with her. This is great. By Chava, I will say. Chava was the mother of all living things. A woman is given over in marriage, right? The woman comes to her husband for Chaim, for an enhanced lifestyle, not for a diminished lifestyle. And I will say, by the way, we accept this premise, halacha l'maysa, I know no one needs me to tell them that. And I will say, but again, this is actually put in the ksuva, right? Where is this found in the ksuva? That a husband agrees to support his wife, one word, bikushta. Bikushta means in comfort. What does that mean? So I will say, when Chazal put that word in the ksuva, that word reflects, bikushta means the higher of our two standards of living. He puts in the Ksuba, agree to support you, Bekushta, with comfort. What that means is, look, if Rachel came from a wealthy family and Ruvain did not, he agrees to support her with that standard. Rachel is not from a wealthy family, Ruvain is, I agree to support you in that standard. One word, Bekushta, captures this entire essence. Beautiful. So, we'll say, now that the Gemara transitions a little bit, now remember again, we'll say, so the Mishnah went through the various domestic responsibilities that a wife has in marriage. But then, the Gemara pointed out over here that if she brings in servants, if she brings in servants, then what's the halacha? The halacha is the more servants she brings in, those take away domestic responsibilities from her. So for example, the Mishnah said, if she brought in one servant to the marriage, she doesn't have to grind wheat, right, grind, right, grind. She doesn't have to bake and she doesn't have to do laundry. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, Now, here's what's interesting. What's interesting is yet, although she's freed from those specific responsibilities, she still has an obligation to what? To perform the other responsibilities. So the Gemara says, Why can't she say, listen, I brought you in a maidservant. I brought you in a maidservant. Let her do everything. Listen to this. Mishum this is interesting. The husband says to his wife, right? Reuven says to Rachel, listen, I appreciate you made the brother and the maidservant, but here's what's going to happen. The maidservant, the maidservant could take care of me and herself. Who's going to take care of you? Reuven says to Rachel. Right? And I was well say, what the Gemara is saying is like this, and it's actually quite fascinating. The assumption is one person, one person could only provide for the needs of themselves and one other individual. Right? That's the capacity. That's the capacity load. Right? One person. So when Rachel brings in, when Rachel brings in a maidservant, right? That's fantastic. What does that do? That, that maidservant now could take care of Ruvain, and obviously the maidservant also take care of herself. So Ruvain says to Rachel, we still need you to participate in the household. Why? Why? Because Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, there's still your own needs. So therefore, although the maidservant can pick up part of the sack, you still have to participate as well. I will say, by the way, I'll point out from something amazing. Although it is not Mother's Day today, a gemara like this helps you to appreciate the role of a mother. Right? Because Chazal is saying, one person could pretty much only take care of themselves. Right? I could take care of myself and one other person. Now, every single man knows this lesson. Yeah, we're like, absolutely, right? That's my limit, right? Myself, one other person. Now, let's say the godless of a mother, the godless of a mother, is that a mother has a, 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 such a dramatically enhanced bandwidth, right? That she has the ability to go ahead and take care of so many more people, just more than herself and one other person, as many as need care for. That's what a mother has capacity to do. It's incredible. If she brings in two maidservants, Remember again, the way the Mishnah works is the more maidservants she, she, she brings in, obviously, the lesser responsibilities she has. Bless you. So, she brings in two maidservants. Then in addition to the items that already took off her list, she also doesn't have to cook and she doesn't have to clean. But she still has to perform other responsibilities. Why can't she say to her husband, so, we'll say, so why can't she say, listen, I brought in now, there, now there are two maidservants, two maidservants. That's enough to take care of you, me, herself, yourself, everyone's taken care of. Because the husband, Ruvain, says, but one second, 
who's going to take care of our guests. Now, Bosa, here's what's interesting. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over Orche, our Orchim Hamishtaim Shabbos Achodesh. These are guests. These are guests that stay for prolonged amounts of time. That's, that's Orchim. Parchi, Parchi, Rashi says, Ovrim Ledarcham, Lefishamakom Shiish Bene Bayis Rabim, Noagimus Arik Ovre Derek. So we'll say Parchi are kind of this company that, that's in and out. And we'll say, what's the Pshat? This is interesting. So apparently, the more domestic help one has, the more people that are in a house, the more such a hub of activity attracts travelers and visitors. So Ruben says to Rachel, now that there's you, you me, two maidservants, there's going to be a lot of visitors. A lot of visitors. So now, even though now there are two maidservants, we still need you to help out in the house because of the visitors. Shalosh, Samita. If she brings in three maidservants, so remember again, this is, a, this is a building list. So obviously, if she brings in three, whatever she was exempt from from the first two, and now in addition, she doesn't have to make his bed. Hasha but she starts to perform other forms of domestic service. So I say now she says now there's three maid servants, right? The three maid servants. See, even for the guest is more than enough. Why should I have to do anything? The more people there are in the home, the more visitors. As they're both saying, visitors don't cap. Essentially, the more active a home is, the more it attracts visitors, which means there's more work. If that's the case, then I both say, remember again. The Mishnah said that if she brings in four maidservants, she doesn't have to do anything. But if that's the case, that the more, the more people in the home, right, the more, the more guests it attracts, then even if you have four maidservants, you still have to work. It's interesting. This is very interesting. Once you have a staff of four, say, then what? I should say, once you have four maidservants, then what do you have? You have a staff. Mazel tov. You've now made it to the level where you have a staff, right? We should all be zolchem. Right? See, and once you have a staff, staff works collaboratively. And I will say, by the way, you hear what the Gemara just said? There's a very big distinction between four maid servants working individually versus four maid servants to become a staff. Wherever there is collaboration, collaboration is a force multiplier. And I will say, what an incredible Musar skill. It's true if you manage employees, right? Often again, if a person in business, a person manages employees. So if you silo your employees, right? You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. You'll get four different people working, but you have absolutely no collaboration. If you have no collaboration, you have no team. So what you'll get is the output of four individuals. Masha Enkei, if you create a staff, if you create a team, everybody feels they're part of a synergistic unit. Suddenly Chazal tell us, you'll get so much more output than the output of four individuals. Suddenly you'll get the output of the side. It's such an incredible yisod in anything. You can plug this in, you plug this in in volunteering, plug this in anywhere, where people feel that they're part of something bigger, the net output of that growth, of that, the, net, actually, the net output of that group is so much greater than the sum of the individuals. The Gemara goes by there. The Gemara says, "Amr bichani, Amr bichana, v'itim Rabbi Shmuel barachmani." Lo achnisa lo mamish. The most very interesting. By the way, in all these cases, when we speak about Rachel bringing in maid servants, it doesn't literally mean that she has to bring in the maid servant. Ella kevan sheruuya lahachnis afal pishalo hechnisa. We're talking about a woman who has a dowry that is large enough to support for whatever number of maid servants, even though she didn't actually bring them in. Furthermore, I will say, and this is very interesting, in other words, when we speak about a woman being exempt from certain tasks, that is even if she didn't actually hire the maidservants, but rather, again, if she has a dowry that's capable of supporting that level of staffing, she's also exempt. And not only that, but she doesn't have a dowry, but she's saving money. Once she saves money and has enough money to be able to go ahead and hire that staff, she also becomes exempted from these activities. Incredible. So we'll say the Margo's Vaita. Arba, Yosheves Bekatadra. We'll say if she hires a staff of four maidservants, then what? She can sit back on her recliner and she doesn't have to do anything. Says the Margo's Vaita. Barchanina, Amra Rafuna, Avab Isha Amru, Yosheves Bekadarta, even though, even Bekatadra, sorry, even though we said that now when she brings in 
for maid servants. She has no responsibility. She can sit on the, on the recliner. She should still go ahead and pour a cup of wine for us. And I will say, Moseges, no, the Gemara doesn't just simply mean pour. It means what? Dilute. They used to have wine concentrate. That's how you make a cup of wine. You take a little bit of cup wine concentrate and you mix it with water. So I will say, so she should still make her husband's cup of wine. And she should still go ahead and make his bed. And of course, she should wash his hands, face, and feet. I mean, that goes without saying. Say, so again, what I want to point out, I will say, what's the common denominator amongst all of these things? The common denominator, I will say, is these are not only, these aren't tasks as much as they are signs of affection. Rebosi, actually an incredibly profound Gemara. Right? Leaving aside that obviously Rebosi, societal, societal norms have changed, right? No wife, no wife is washing her husband's hands, face, face. Rebosi, and even if a wife offers, a husband should respectfully decline. That's not the norm, right? That's not, that's not the appropriate norm in our contemporary marriages. Rebosi, but again, what I want to point out is something very interesting is Chazal telling us, do you know what successful marriage is built on? Successful marriage is built, one of the things successful marriage is built on is displays of affection. Displays of affection. Little displays of affection. So I will say, so what does the Gemara say? Even though the wife went ahead and brought in four maids, she doesn't have to do anything. Pour your husband a glass of wine. Pour him a glass of wine. Pour him a glass of wine, that's it. Or make his bed so you, you, know, you know which way he likes his pillows. You know, something little, something little that is a simple display of affection. I will say, by the way, and of course, you know, whatever Chazal is saying in one direction applies in the other direction as well. The, the key to successful marriage is not in big birthday or anniversary gifts, right? That, that's not it. Birthdays and anniversaries come once a year. The small displays of affection that a one spouse does to another, that, that gives, that gives the, the energy and the momentum and the feeling of love. I will say, I guess if you would translate this contemporarily, you know, to, uh, a husband texts his wife, right? I love you in the middle of the day. And by the way, not, not, the, not the like emoji I, L-U-V, you know, you, right? If you're building a life with someone, have the derech to actually write out the sentence, right? Capital I, L-O-V-E, Y-O-U, put a period in there also. In other words, it's, 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 again, je, je, just, just a little, a phone call, a phone call, a, a little something that just says, I'm fit. So Chazal telling us, Okay, wife, you have four, you have a staff, you have a staff, you are freed from all domestic responsibilities, but you're not freed from building a happy, healthy, and loving marriage. And the way to do that are just small displays of affection. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, uh, I just want to point out to you, Ksuvis, as you know, as you mentioned, is called Shas Katan. It's mini Shas. The reason it's many shots, I will say, is on one given daf, you could cover five different times. That's what's happening already. We'll say now, transitioning to Hilchos Nida for a moment. Watch this. It's incredible. So, in general, any, anything that a woman is obligated to do for her husband, like on a regular day, so a Nida, a woman who's in Nida, is permitted to do for her husband as well. Chutz, except for pouring him a cup of wine, making his bed, or washing his hands, his face, and his feet. So I will say, why? Because the same idea, because these are acts of affection. When a woman is a nida, we don't want her engaging acts of affection towards her husband out of a concern that they, that may lead to physical intimacy, which of course is punishable by karis when a woman is a nida. Furthermore, I will say, it's actually interesting, the making of the bed is only considered to be an act of affection when? When it's done in the presence of the husband. But if it's not done in the presence of the husband, then it's not an act of affection. And therefore, even when a woman is in nida, if her husband is not present, she's permitted to make his bed. Incredible. Ultimately, we'll say, and again, remember, pouring of wine. So remember, again, I will say, so here we pointed out that when a woman is in nida, she is not permitted to pour her husband a glass of wine or, or, or a glass of anything. The act of pouring for a wife to a husband is considered to be an act of affection. And therefore, when she's a nida, she didn't do it. She wouldn't do it. We'll say, first while I look at this. Shmuel, mechle fayfele dvisu biyada the smaller. We'll say, when Shmuel's wife was a nida, she would pour for him with her left hand. 
Shavuot what she would do is she would employ a shinui so as to remind him that she is a nida, and therefore again this act of affection shouldn't lead to anything. Abaye manchala puma de kuba. So Abaye's wife, when she was in nida, and she would pour him a cup of wine. What would happen? She would go ahead and leave the wine apuma de kuba by the by the mouth of the jug. Okay, Rava Abe Sajja, Rapapa Ashar Shifa. So we'll say again, Rava, his wife would lead it again on the on the couch, on the couch, the cup of wine on the couch by his head. Rapapa Rapapa's wife would do it by the Shashifa on the bench. So we'll say, interestingly enough, all of these women when they were in Nida, they would pour a cup of wine for their husbands, but they would employ some type of shinoi to show that ultimately again it was they were in Nida. Transitioning again. In general, person has a shamish, right? Well, a shamish, we're going to loosely translate over here as a butler waiter, right? So this is someone who is serving you and serving your guests during the meal. So Rav Yitzchak Bar Hanina says as follows. We're going to now get into shamish etiquette. So I have someone now going ahead and taking care, right? Serving me and serving my guests. So Rabbi says like this, in general, you could, you could wait to feed the shamish until after everyone else is served, with the exception of chutz, mi except with meat and wine. With meat and wine, you have to allow the shamish to eat at the same time as the guests. And Rabbi say the idea, the idea behind that is that what? That ultimately, again, when the shamish is serving a good piece of flesh, right, and fragrant wine, that's going to make him very hungry. And therefore, it's unfair to make him wait, right? It's, it's really, it's, it's cruel to make him wait until after the meal is done. Rather, give him to eat and drink right then and there. Amrav Chisra says, by the way, but it only refers to Basar Shamein, Viyayin Yashan. But it refers to fatty meat, which I guess has a more, a more fragrant aroma. Yayin Yashan, old wine, which obviously has a more fragrant aroma as well. Amrav, Rav says, Basar Shamein Kalashan Akula. Basar Shamein, that's true the whole year. Yayin Yashan Bitkufas Tamos. Old wine is dafka during Tammuz when the scent is strongest. Amrav Anan Bar Tachlifa. Bossi, here we go. Hava Ka'imna Kamei Demar Shmuel Va'aisule Tavshila Da'ardi. Rav Anan Bar Tachlifa was saying like this. I was standing in front of Shmuel and they brought out a, a cooked dish of Ardi. Ardi are mushrooms. A mushroom dish. Ve'ilav Diyoivli and had someone not given me a taste of that. Istakmu, I would have become dangerously ill. Shabbos is saying, this is interesting. What the Gemara is describing over here is the ability to have such an intense craving that literally, if it's not satisfied, you could get sick. Like in Chazal we're used to hearing this in Chazal by who? who right? where, where do we usually find this discussion? Pregnant women. Right? Again, Rabbi say to the point, remember again, we saw Mr. Chasyuma, a pregnant woman craves something on your kipper. There's a whole process where we give her to taste, we give it this, it's a whole process. But the nice thing, the it doesn't just apply to pregnant women, it can apply even to regular people. No, that didn't sound right, right? But I'm saying like, right? In other words, like, right, even when a woman's not pregnant, right? even, even to non-pregnant people, right? So I will say, so again, lemaisa, lemaisa. so you see cravings can become so intense. So here's the example of it. So the more Ravashi is one time I was standing in front of Rav Kahana and they brought out turnips, turnips in vinegar. It doesn't even sound appealing, right? It doesn't, right? Turnips in vinegar, right? And had they not given me a little bit of a taste of it, literally, I would have been in Sakona. Even a, even a plump date. The idea being is that sometimes cravings aren't rational. But in other words, why did they bring up the plump date? Because I will say, a piece of meat, I totally hear it. Even a mushroom dish, I could hear it. Already as we go on the list, turnips and vinegar, I don't hear it. Right? A date to the... But the idea is everything depends also. Maybe a person is starving or maybe a person just... So the idea is cravings, cravings are very subjective. But the point over here is the more sensitizing us to the idea that a person could have such an intense craving that literally it puts them in sakana. Here we go. We'll say anything that has a pungency or that has an aroma. Any food like that is capable of generating an intense craving. We'll say, get ready for this Gemara. I wish, sometimes I wish we only had to do Amid Yomi. But again, 
Sometimes we do only do Amid Yomi. But I will say, but again, listen to this. This, this is wild. Listen to this. Avua Bar'ihi. Omiyamin Bar'ihi. So listen to this. Avua, Avua Bar'ihi. Brothers. Brothers. Chad Safimikomina Umina. But I'll say one of them used to make sure to give the waiter from every, from every, um, from every course. He would make sure that the waiter would get to eat from every single course. And one only gave the waiter from one course. So they both say, they were both mapped to feed their waiters, right, at the meal, prior to the at the meal. But one was mapped to give the waiter from every single course. One was only mapped to give the waiter from one from the first course. Mar they both say one of the brothers, the one who gave the waiter from every single course, Elio, used to visit him. The one who only gave the waiter from the first course, Elio, did not visit him. Did not visit him. Okay, was well, so not finished. Hano Tartin Chasidi. There were these two Chasidim, two pious men. Formerly Rav Mori, Rav Pinchas, Bnei Rav Chista. Some say it was Rav Mori, Rav Pinchas, sons of Rav Chista. Mar Kadim Safi, Umar Ma'achar Safi. One used to give his waiter to eat before the meal, and one would give his waiter after the meal. After the meal. And I was about to say, by the way, doesn't mean after, I shouldn't say after the meal, it means after they served the guests. One gave his waiter, right, before he served the guests, and one gave his waiter right after they served the guests. So the Gemara says, Man said, the Kadim Safi Elio Mishtai Badei, the one who served his waiter, right, before the, before the guests. Ultimately, Elio used to visit him. But the one who only fed his waiter after the courses, Elio did not visit him. I will say, isn't this absolutely amazing? I will say, I want to point out something. Both of these, both of these cases, these individuals are introduced to us as tzaddikim. So there's, there's a tzaddik, there's a tzaddik, right, which is a level, and then there's being worthy of a visit from Elio Hanabi. So apparently, tzidkos by itself, tzidkos by itself is not enough to merit a visit from Eliyahu Navi. So what does merit you a visit from Eliyahu Navi? Being a tzaddik and also being a Baal Chesed. Being someone, ultimately again, who truly is an empathic and compassionate individual. I'll say, and sometimes the way you see empathy and true compassion is not in big things, but it's in little things. And often the way you actually see it is in people who work for you. Right? I'll say, you see a lot about people with how they treat hired staff. I will say, I'll just tell you something important. It is so important when you go to a simcha or you go, and there are people who are working. I'll say, you know, it's always very striking to me. And I'll just mention this because I think like, you know, you go to a simcha, a kiddish, a simcha, and there's people who are hired to work. And I will say, and often, and often, people who are hired to work, all different races, different socioeconomic things. And you know, you ever like, take a step back and put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. Here, everybody else is having a great time, right? They're at the carving station for the 17th time in four minutes, right? And they're making the chayims and this, that. And meanwhile, for this person, it's a Sunday, it's a Saturday, they're working. I don't know what they get paid, but I'm sure it's definitely not a lot, right? It is so easy just to go ahead and go about your business and just say, oh, I'll have this, I'll have that, and ignore their humanity. When you stop for a moment, when you say a thank you, you say a thank you, say a thank you, or, or you say, how's your day, right? How's your family? Enjoy the rest of the weekend. You take a few moments just to recognize the humanity of another person, just to exhibit a little bit of compassion to someone who is so easily ignored, right? Where they're being paid, they're being paid, right? You take a moment for that, that makes you a worthy. That's when Eliyahu Hanavi comes to you, right? You need to be a tzaddik also. But again, that little additional piece of chesed that is so easy, so easy, but just as easy as it is to do, it's just as easy to overlook it. Those who take the time to go ahead and just take care of this, give the shamash something to eat, give the waiter something to eat, pull him into the kitchen, before everything starts, make sure that when he's doling out the food, his stomach is not rumbling, looking at everyone else pressing, but he's going to get the, just feed him first. Just feed him first. And then he says, ah, that's the kind of person I want to visit. Person who says, thank you. Person who says, shalom aleichem. Person who says, how's your day? To the employees. I got it, they're an employee. You take the time to, to, to recognize someone's humanity. Eliyahu Navi comes to you. Such an incredible Gemara. Amir Marzutra. 
Ravashi, this is an incredible, get ready for this. Just gets better. Just gets better. So Ameimar Umar Zutra of Ravashi. Havukayaska Pisra Debe Azgar Malka. So let's listen to this. These Rabbanim, Ameimar Umar Zutra Ravashi, were sitting by the entranceway of, of King Azgur. King Azgur. Rashi says he was a Persian king. So they're at the edge of the palace. Get ready for this. So who walked by? Who walked by? The kings. I don't know what you call Rashi. He says Moshev Hamonos. The kings, we'll call it the head waiter, the head butler, the head butler. And the head butler is coming in with like trays of food. He's coming in with about trays of food, right? Chazi Ravashi the Marzutra. Ravashi looked at Marzutra. And he saw Marzutra on the base, the Chavar Ape. Marzutra grew pale. And I said, why did he grow pale? He saw the food and he became like, like seriously desirous of the food, of the food. And I both say, now I want to point out for the here, right? They're not serving gefilte fish, right, at, uh, right, at, at, at the Asgur, at King Asgur's palace, right? What are they serving? What are they serving? Tarifus. Whatever it is, it's not kosher, that's for sure. So the food's going by. Marzutra is get, getting sick. He's craving it so badly. You're ready. Shakal ba'etz ba'ase. So what happened? So again, Ravashi, Ravashi took his finger, took his finger, stuck it in the food, stuck it in the food, and he put it in Marzutra's mouth. So I'm say, so... This is a pretty wild story. So what's happening? So can you imagine this? Right? Marzutra, so I'm sorry, Ravashi, sticks his food in the king, sticks his finger in the king's food. A little, t- we'll say, what is he trying to do? This is Tarfos. This is Tarfos. We'll say in Halokho, there is a distinction between tasting and eating. In fact, again, there's an interesting machlokis in Halokho. If let's say you're cooking something and you just want to taste, right? Either you're putting a little bit on your tongue or you're going to taste, spit it out. Do you have to make a bracha? So big that tasting does not require a bracha. So I by the way, by the way, on a fast day, can you prepare food and just taste a little bit? I'm not eating it, just taste it. Again, big is in Allah. See here, Ravashi sees Marzutra is about to pass out. He needs to eat something. He needs to eat something. So what does he do? Now it's tarifus. He tries to minimize the Isra by what? Giving him a taste. And he hopes that just the taste will calm him down. Fine, it works. Amrale, so we'll say, so now what happened? Amrale, I've sat at the Sudasa de Malka. So we'll say, now what happens over here? The butler says, the butler says, what is the matter with you? Right? You just stuck your finger in the king's food. We'll say, do you know what happens when you stick your finger in the king's food? So number one is the king's not going to eat it. That's why you just ruined this entire thing. So we'll say, now what happens? They call, they call the palace police. So what? They call it Amrule. So now it switches to plural. The palace police, they say to Ravashi, Amai to Avid Haki, why did you do this? So Amr the Hu, Man to Avid Haki, Pasalam, Because the palace police say, say to Ravashi, if you stick your finger in the king's food, that's like, that's like a high crime. You just, you just went ahead and validated the king's food. Amr Lay, Amai Amr. So why did you do this? Amr the Hu, so let's listen to this. Amr Ravashi says, Dover Achar Chazoibai. I saw that there was some tsaras, there was some leprosy on the, on, the, on the meat. And so I purposely stuck my finger in there so that the king wouldn't eat it. So batkola ashkehu, they inspected the tray, they inspected the dish, the meat that Ravashi had touched. Then they find any tsaras, shak, so what did Ravashi do? Shakal he took the he took the butler's finger, anachale, he put it on a particular spot, amaluhu, hacha mi batkisu, did you check over here? They searched, and sure enough, what did they find in that spot? There was Saras. So Ravashi went from villain to hero. Right? Villain to hero. He was the one who saved the king from consuming, from consuming leprosy-ridden food. So Amr de Rabbanon. So Rabbanon says, Ravashi, my time was Sanchis Anisa. Ravashi, there was no leprosy there. Right? There was no tzaras. There, obviously, the Moshe performed a miracle for you. So, but how, how were you able to be so mechon the nace? So, Amr lo chazi ruach tzaras te kaparcha iluya. I saw ultimately again that there was like a spirit of tzaras hovering over Marzutra. So remember again, Marzutra was about to faint. I saw that there was, that there was like a spirit, what whatever this means, the spirit of Tsaras hovering around him. And therefore I felt that that was the simon that I could rely on the Tsaras excuse. So it was like a profound, profound story on many levels. But again, for our purposes, the reason why it's here, ultimately, again, again, we transitioned ultimately from 
giving your giving your attendants to eat, to taste, to now this story about tasting. And Abu Mosai, there are many halachic ramifications of this story as well, but we don't have time for it. Here we go back there. There was a Roman official who said to a woman, Marry me. She said, No, I'm not marrying you. So Mosai, what did he do? It's interesting. So what did he do? Something interesting. He sat in front of her with a basket of pomegranates. And what happened? He peeled them and he ate them. So what happens? She becomes, she wants a pomegranate. So what happened? So now her mouth began to water for, for pomegranates and she kept swallowing the saliva ultimately again as, as, as it accumulated. Now apparently she became very sick. And as a result, ultimately, again, she became exceptionally bloated. Very sick as a result of this disaster. So, so this is an interesting shidduch strategy. So he says to her, tell me, if I heal you, will you marry me? She said, yes. He brought another basket of pomegranates. He peeled me ate them in front of her. He said to her, Anything that accumulates in your mouth, don't swallow it. As the saliva accumulates, spit it out. Spit it out, spit it out. Until something resembling a green palm shoot came out of her, and ultimately again, she was healed. Incredible, incredible. So we'll say, remember again, let's go back to Again, we'll say, I want to point out, there's of course much to say on each of these stories, right? Because I'll never include these type of maizalach just for entertainment value. They're here because again, they highlight something. So we'll say again, there's the next cycle, we'll get to it. But summer is, also with summer, she works with wool. So we'll say, but summer in the Pishtim law. So apparently with wool, yes. With wool, yes. But with flax, no. A man can't force his wife to serve his son, to serve his father, nor to put straw in front of his animal. But he could force her to give straw to his cattle. He also can't force her to go ahead and work with flax. Why? Because we'll say flax, the way you also, is you have to put the flax in your mouth, it causes bad breath. And it causes the lip to swell. And this is dafka. What? This is dafka only with a type of Roman flax. Right? We'll have to stop over here for today. And we'll pick up here tomorrow. We're fine. We're absolutely fine. We're going, to start. We're going to start a little earlier tomorrow. I'll send it out on the WhatsApp chat. I will say, Shkayak, incredible, incredible daf. Have a wonderful rest of the day. All right, have run Zoom. Everyone have a great day. Great to see you. Rabbi Richard, safe travels.